0: But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York.
1: Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns.
2: Good morning.
0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo with Mike Golick Jr. That is me. With me, as always, mouth wide open in the garage, Brandon Newman. What's going on, Brandon? Yeah. Nah, man, it's. It'd be like that sometimes. <laughs> I feel like sometimes I've gotten a, a lot more used I feel like I've gotten a lot more used to pensive size and faraway looks from my brother now that he's become a dad, really him and his wife, now that they've yes. become parents. And so I recognize the look of a parent who has just had to do a lot of parenting and that takes a toll on everybody.
1: Mike, Mike, it's, it's something. I don't recommend it. I don't recommend it. If, if anyone's listening and hasn't had a child yet, I think we got enough here in America. I know that we get listened to everywhere else around the, around the globe. So maybe in Kazakhstan, y'all should, need, need to keep having kids. But <sighs> we just got, we got a pink eye diagnosis, Mike. And, oh, uh, no. <laughs> and negotiating with the with toddler terrorists with pink eye is something. So, uh, See, this, people this, just this, thought this about illness to...
0: with kids relative to COVID in the last couple of years, and we forgot yep. about normal sicknesses that pop up, and it's not like you get any easier of a time with that.
1: Nope, nope, but that's it, and I would say this lift my spirits, this, this podcast talking to you, it's embarrassing that it's the, the best part of my day, but uh, here we are.
0: Listen, that's how it goes sometimes. Regardless of what certain bad faith tweets say, maybe being childless and in your 40s isn't the worst prospect in the world. Kids are wonderful. Brandon's kids are great. We love all children. If you have children, listen to this podcast right now. I love your kids. Not enough to be like Jim Harbaugh and take them off your hands if they're not kids Uh -uh. that you planned on having, but I still love your kids all the same. That being said, Brandon, in the name of lifting spirits, stop me if you've heard this before. We've got a great show today. And it's a reminder, what? you can see that show on YouTube now. You can see the faraway yes. look in Brandon's eyes. If you head over to the DraftKings YouTube page, check out the, uh, the playlist they have there, and then look for the Gojo with Mike Golick Jr. playlist, and you'll see our episodes going up on there. There will be clips from those episodes, full episodes going up. Plenty of great stuff, so you can see our wonderful smiling faces on that screen. So again, subscribe to the DraftKings YouTube page and check that out. As always, we appreciate everyone who downloads, subscribes, rates, and reviews wherever you get your podcast as well, Brandon. Because we're trying to reach everyone where they are, and we feel like this yes. fall we got a chance to get better at that.
1: Absolutely, Mike. And I don't want to be uh, a guy that is watching the scoreboard or counting the numbers, if you will, but... We got our first video over uh, over 1000k. It was a clip of uh, you talking about Manti tail. So, uh, first week already hitting our, our uh, benchmarks and whatnot, so come check us out. I know you guys have been listening for a long time. A lot of people are complaining that my face isn't on the Apple uh, Podcast I was menu. just going
0: to say, at buttsky 44 on the Apple Podcast reviews, five-star reviews only with this review, why no picture of Brandon in the review section? We want to see both your ugly mugs. You can do that on YouTube now. We also would like Apple to update that because... Brandon's bright, shining face deserves to not just be a stock unlocked video game character photo. So make sure you Thank check you. out all those places. Awesome show today. We got Michael Holly from Brother From Another on Peacock coming up. We talked to Michael Smith earlier, two of Brandon's former co-workers over at NBC and Peacock. So nice to catch yes. up with him. We did our division preview for the AFC East, which, spoiler alert, is a pretty easy division to call on the top end. And has some interesting meat in the middle that we get to kind of break down with Michael Holly. You can also check him out on NBC Sports Boston as well. He's done a great job covering sports in that area for quite some time. We'll also get to later on the most interesting headlines surrounding a current or former NFL head coach. I'll leave that open-ended and some big news in the world of golf. But Brandon, we've got even bigger breaking news right now. And I can't believe it's taken us this long to get to it, but... Kim Kardashian is bringing side parts back.
1: Okay, Mike. This is very big news. And I I thought you were possibly going to mention Joe Biden canceling student loan debt. But this is obviously bigger. And
0: we know why. Big time time shout out on that that one, too. I know there's some debt relief there for everyone, which is great. And if you're a person who already paid off your debt and feels like you're getting shortchanged, stop being a hater. Life's too short. Be happy for people when good things happen to them. You don't got to be a dick about this.
1: Thank you. Thank you. We waited them out, and and we finally won. So, man and (laughs) a (laughs) boo-boo.
0: Stick your head in doo-doo. But, Brandon, no. The side part business did make me think, because I know there's been some weird generational war over where people should part their hair, particularly women. The Gen Zers Mm -hmm. on TikTok can be really mean about this stuff. But it did make me think that um, on TikTok, there's this trend going around, this teenage dirtbag trend where it's an excuse for everyone to do a photo montage of pictures of them with weird jacked up haircuts or terrible fashion choices back in the day. I even came to this. I am curious, and I feel like as I asked this question, we were both talking about this before the show, and I did not realize how cultural this divide was going to be. But I did want to ask if you had any inkling of what your worst, I would say like hair or fashion choices were in high school and college because I feel like we're at the point now in our lives where we finally have the benefit of hindsight and enough times passed where all the trends are different now. Like we could have never imagined when we were in college that just every pair of male pants would be tapered. Athleisure would essentially be the dominant form of female fashion for the most part on the day-to-day. None of these trends we could have fully predicted back then. So now we get to look back with a little more insight into what the hell we were doing to ourselves.
1: Never knew that in the future, men and masculinity would mean showing off your assets, quite literally. in, some, in The some gams. Hotty thotties. Yeah, yams, thams. Like, listen, Mike, m- my shorts in the 2000s would laugh at my shorts today. They would, la- they would bully them. There's not enough fabric. They're very short shorts. My thighs are hanging out the bottom. My knees have so much room to breathe. I'm actually actively trying to make sure my underwear match because they're going to be showing through my shorts the majority of time that I'm wearing them. And the Jordan shorts from back in the day, Mike, the ones that were scratching my ankles.
0: We have done such a full 180 on that front. And listen, I love this for our brothers in arms out here getting caked up for the summertime, getting to show off all your hard work in the gym or whatever you've done. Maybe it's just hard work enjoying a few extra meals. That's great. Show those games off too. The more the merrier for everyone. But you're right. Like when I look back at it, cargo shorts were in the top five for me. Not that Mm. cargo shorts are inherently bad, but the amount of different places I wore cargo shorts, it wasn't just I would bust them out when I needed cargo. Man, if you have ever gone to a concert, and had a place where you could go and get beer. Like, we were lucky. We got to go backstage to some concerts stuff like that. But I remember being at a Kenny Chesney concert. Where you've got the vibe room in the back with all this beer. And just lifting, like, ten cans of it... Out to the pit where we were watching the show and you would just hear someone reach into their cargos, the snap of the the tab on top (laughs) of the can opening up, and then you got a fresh one moving with you because the cargo shorts were built to rock. So they're good for certain spots, but I was wearing them everywhere. I have pictures of me on vacation at the Atlantis wearing them at the club inside the Atlantis resort. It was not okay. Not
1: not well. Not, uh, very well advised, I would say. Yeah, cargo shorts were, were made for hikers, and then 13 to 18-year-olds took them shits and
0: was like, no, nah, this is us. Yeah, we got this. I don't have much cargo to pull, <laughs> but buddy, let me tell you, it's essentially we all decided to drive the 18-wheelers of pants. We don't need all that storage. Yes. We're not going to tow that much cargo or freight, mm-hmm. but goddamn, we want to have the option. So I had that for me undershirts in general, I think did more harm Ooh. than good to the fat guy movement, trying to avoid sweat and even out some of the lumps in front. And I think True. that ended up doing us a disservice wearing a long goatee. I generally think a goatee is a really specific kind of hair, facial hairstyle. Few people can pull off. I should have known better and had people in my life that would have told me no. So the long goatee would also be in there. I would also and say yes, the frayed that. rope belt those rope belts that would okay. come on the rings like our football belts. Again, not that they're inherently bad, but they were too long in front the way I had it, and I wore it with everything. I had one of them, and it was my belt for all occasions.
1: Well, a lot of those cargo shorts that you're talking about, especially the ones that were at Burlington Coat Factory and Value City and things, had that belt attached in the middle, and you could not take that bitch off.
0: No, they. I mean, they went together like peas and carrots. There was no denying them. Those. That was a <laughs> but gravitational it was the football pull. Belt. Number one, though, Brandon, graphic <laughs> yeah. t-shirts. I was walking around graphic in tees. way too much Ed Hardy and affliction. My Ooh. entire college going out career is essentially just a rich tapestry of those like tap out affliction and Ed Hardy shirts over the course of the first three years of college.
1: One of my favorite jokes I've heard from a comedian is you can tell who was the, sh- the man in high school by who has an affliction shirt on, right? like and that was so true for us at yes. Notre Dame cuz all of our friends and including me like all everyone who was a former all-American or former like all district all county High school football player showed up to college with an affliction short to to sh- show off our bolder shoulders and and get that nice little taper around the fat stuff down the middle. So yes, I feel and just right. because and we apparently hats. thought
0: having rhinestones and shirt and like giant fo- like fluorescent <laughs> dragons was cool shit. That was a generation that grew up with way too many holographic Pokemon cards and decided we just essentially wanted to wear those shits. True. So, Brandon, yeah, but that is that is my list that. of very yes. uncomfortable things on this. How does this differ on your end here? Because I saw a little bit of your list, and I realized that this is slowly becoming a two Americas situation.
1: <laughs> I mean, very much so. Listen, I'll start from the top down because I didn't know we were going to do hair. But uh, I would say something that I did that that, that is kind of out of the uh, – it's no longer trendy for – Black kids growing up, especially black boys. But back in the day, getting that perm in your head to straighten your hair out, Mike. Mm -hmm. I was looking like a a a young big black Hispanic boy with my little like like
0: like flats. Brandon, (laughs) I need so badly you to pull a picture of you with your (laughs) hair flattened out. Picture, I think I have. Not right, not right now. I want you, or unless you've got it on your phone right now.
1: No, I don't. My mom has been clearing out photos, so I actually have like an actual photo of it that I'll show you, and we might maybe put somewhere. But yes, so that that's one. The uh, the the uh, the permed hair is definitely one at the top that wouldn't do again, but definitely have done in the past. Um, <laughs> working down, the Jeezy man snowman shirts or <laughs> cheesy snowman shirts. Do you remember these? Are you, talking <laughs> do you remember about like- these, Mike. Are you talking about like the super long tees? Oh no! All the su- all the tees were super long. That was one of my uh, the classic tall tee. Yep, in my tall tee. You remember those five for twenty five dollars? Oh, You're talking about the uh, actual
0: the- like snowman t-shirt, <laughs> like the actual Jeezy the snowman <laughs> the Jeezy. t-shirt, like this. Jeezy the snowman t-shirt. Yes, where like a pissed, pissed off snowman.
1: Exclusively- <laughs> Yes. Supposed to be exclusively for people who are dealing drugs. And I was over like, yeah, GZ the snowman. I'm iced <laughs> out. And I got snow, man. <laughs> like, no, should not have been wearing those. Uh, also, the area code jerseys. I don't know if you remember those. Oh, man. But yes. The, yes. Matching. They had a the matching uh, shorts as well. The shorts, are obviously, very, very long. Uh, the. I'm not even going to go to the, the the vintage Silk Oriental shirts that were very fly, but you know I had the big tiger with the bowled out eyes oh, and the, yeah. the crazy little dragon things. like Those were so fresh. I used to go to skating parks or skating parks, uh, skating parties with those all the time. But down to the feet, Mike, and this is the biggest regret. Those fat tongue skate shoes from DC, the Rob Deerdeck specials, the ones that just smelled to high heaven and took all the different moisture that was around inside the shoe and outside the shoe regret big regret do you remember those fat tongue
0: skate shoes I, I do it's just funny to think about that now because dunks are having such a moment for nike like the last two years have been dominated yes, by hyper expensive pairs of dunks but not
1: but not fat tongues not, I, it's not that it's not that tongue that's like that that it's 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 a it's a it's a foam a foam tongue is what yo, you i know about. i know the one are, you're talking the about i'm saying the, stra- the
0: strange the right. strange love dunks i have have a pretty thick tongue on them but i know the ones you're talking about and you're right We did make some regrettable choices from the ankles down on that. So, at Gojo Show on Twitter, download, subscribe, rate, and review. Let us know your regrettable fashion choices from high school and college because they're starting to mount up a little bit. There's a lot of that stuff in the light of day that really isn't holding up well. Thankfully, we're going to take a quick break and talk to someone who is holding up very well. Michael Holly from NBC Sports Boston and brother from another is going to stop by and help us preview the AFC East next. And remember to check out Jaegermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jaegermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jaegermeister US, White Plains, New York.
2: That's some really, that's some ghetto stuff right there. Like this dude, I haven't heard from him. I haven't heard from him since he left. Wow. Okay. And then I get a text. Mm-hmm. Hey, uh, hey, uh, hey, hey, man, how you doing? Hey, man, how you doing? Let me ask you for a favor. Like what? are <laughs> right through it. And, and this is okay. Last two phone calls, Mike. First phone call. Uh, so this last text was just asking for a favor. The phone call before that, the only phone call I've ever gotten from him, because you know people who text you generally. Oh, yeah. When they start calling you, it's either a butt dial
1: oh my or God.
2: something. So he's like, yeah, it's like a Saturday morning. It was like six o'clock in the morning. <laughs> hey, man, I um, just want to tell you, hey, man, I, you know, I'm so close to Mike Golick Jr. That's my boy, man. That's my boy. <laughs> wow. That's my dude. It, 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 it's not, you know, I really enjoy this that I'm doing with you, but I'm, I'm, I'm leaving. I'm leaving.
0: But that, that's that was
2: the, so. Last two phone
0: calls. So it was bad. It was bad news, and then a favor on the last two fo- The last two interactions.
1: Unbelievable. To, to 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 be fair, there was one more phone call I snuck in there at the beginning because I knew I was going to make the phone call about leaving. So I just thought oh, we had the right. yeah we had the <laughs> had the pre. So, so the, oh, this is my
2: This is even worse. This is even worse. I gave a phone call. Hey man, let me. Uh, can I test? I was rushing things by you. I'm just really thinking about my career. I'm encouraging him, like man, you you got a lot of talent, man. Big things are happening for you in this business. Wow! I'm encouraging him, thinking that Mm. hey, man, we we can use you. We can use you in different ways, and I'm going to start using you in different ways. Oh yeah, this is like this dude was playing chess. (laughs) I got my little checker by checker. He's playing chess. Oh.
1: He's
2: so far ahead. He knows he's leaving. <laughs> so I'm giving him advice for you. That's all <laughs> I, think. I got. love. I got love for both of y'all. It's, it's okay.
0: Oh, oh my God. Michael Holly inadvertently giving Brandon the keys he needs to come here and be successful <laughs> is an incredible <laughs> plot twist in all this. First off, I have to say, thank you because it's, it's been incredible. And yeah. We talked to Michael Smith on this podcast before and, you know, I, Michael and I had the overlap at ESPN. So there was some background there, but I said the same thing, like, thank you because you guys were one of the stops that made Brandon into the person and the colleague that I've got here with me now. Like I left, I met Brandon when we were 17 years old and then we left college at 22. And there's this big gap in our employment together that is occupied by very formative people like you, so I in, in turn owe you a lot. There's a thank you here now in our first, you know, on air conversation, at least. Well,
2: I appreciate that. I think the word you're looking for uh is stepping stone, brother. From another was a stepping stone. Uh, <laughs> just like, oh, hey, hey, let me just boost me up so I can get to where I wanted to go. That's okay. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Hey. It's-
1: every every you're you're a writer, Michael. You can appreciate this. Every every stop in life is a stepping stone, right?
2: <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> But it's great to seriously no, I'm, I'm proud of you, uh, Brandon. Thank you. And, and Brandon, um, the way you described Mike, your relationship with him, I was like, you got to do it. And, and I just love to see, I love that you, you all are working together now after being at Notre Dame uh, together. And, and unfortunately for you guys, Notre Dame's about to take that L to Ohio State to start the season, but that's okay. Wow. That's okay. You got a new coach. Hey, hey, don't hold the new coach to a high standard. It's just the first game. It's the first regular season game. Also lost his bowl game, but but don't worry about oh my it. My god. Man,
0: all right, I didn't Mike, expect this is a plot twist coming in now, Brandon. Gojo,
1: I didn't I didn't, I I told you to pre- we prepped you on Michael Holly. I told you about his kids. I, I forgot to tell you about all his pugs. We talked about his books. We talked about him being in the town. I forgot to tell you he's from Akron, Boston.
0: Oh, he's officially from Akron,
1: Boston. So, oh,
0: okay, things make a lot more sense now. Here, there's a lot of Buckeye blood running over there, huh?
2: Yeah, and, and you know, um, and somebody else should be a Buckeye. I mean, look, I I, I grew up, you know, watching the Browns and uh, watching Bob Bob Golick on the on the dogs. Come on, now, I mean, they they just yeah. just a, a, a step short. So, come on, man, yeah. You were right uh, there. You were
0: right there. You should have. You trust know. me. But that's we, not- we, had, we had the Golick family defection from the state of Ohio, starting with my Uncle Bob. My dad had three brothers. It was him, Bob, uh, him, my Uncle Greg, and my Uncle Bob. And all three of them who were, I mean, my dad and Uncle Bob especially were, you know, blue chip All-American recruits. And I think until Uncle Bob went back and played for the Browns, The Gullics were probably a bit persona non grata around there because they had both basically given Ohio State and shown them the door. My dad once famously, Ohio State was playing UCLA, and they asked my dad if he wanted to come as one of the recruits to the game, and he told them no, he was coming with the opposing team. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, so we didn't do ourselves a lot of favors in Northeast Ohio outside of Dad and Uncle Bob, you know, and them all growing up there.
1: That's all right, though. That's all right.
0: Well, Michael,
1: Michael Holly, I, I, we, I asked you to come on here to, to share your knowledge of the AFC East as we get ready for the season and we're previewing things. You guys just got started on Brother From Another again after a long hiatus. One of the famous things that we always say in our community is when we break, we break. 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 Yes. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs>
1: so you're just coming back from a break. How you feeling? I feel great. I
2: feel great. You know, as, as a matter of fact, I, mean, I hadn't, talked to, uh, hadn't talked to Michael Smith. Like, I, I, took, I told him, he said, hey, you want to come in on July, whatever it is, you know, NBA pre-agency? says, no, 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 I don't. Hey, what if something that happens? No, no, no. <laughs> it'll be there. It'll be there. When I get back, I just went to the vineyard and just chilled. And, and, and by the way, before I went to the vineyard, took my first trip to uh, Africa. I went to Morocco with my wife. Oh. 15th. Uh, 15th anniversary so man I was just chilling
1: I was you chilling you went to Africa
2: went to Africa first time on the wow. concert first of many God willing what was, so, the, uh, what was the highlight of the trip there uh, highlight of the trip uh, was having a uh, having a cold front come in because one day it was 114 Whoo. and the next day it cooled off to 107 so we said, oh, no, now we're good. Mm-mm. And we were right in the city. We were in America. We flew into Marrakesh. Great time. Great people. Had a lot of tagine. Um, you know, bought some stuff. Our brother was wearing, I got a picture of me wearing a cap tan. Yeah. Cap tan. Sandals. Oh, I was, I was feeling. It. I was in it. Uh, spent some time up in the mountains. Yeah, we had a, we had a great time. How much, I can't my, how, how much stuff got made it back? We, well, we just got some uh, because Oni Holly, um, goodness gracious, uh, she's got an eye for decorating. Unfortunately, she's got an eye for decorating. So what? We we wound up in a rug place. Oh, I said, oh man, let me just sit down here. Yep, let me get down. Let me get that one. So we just got them today. Actually, they just came in today. Shipped to Boston. Shipped to Boston. So yeah, that came. That just came in.
0: Yeah, none of that. None of that sounds inexpensive. So uh, uh, no, happy but, Happy Rug Day to you.
2: Yeah, but uh, Happy Rug Day. <laughs> but the, to complete the circle, I I just disappeared from brother from another. One day I get a random text from Michael Smith. Brandon knows what th- what that's like. Just you just get random Michael Smith text. <laughs> I heard from him but all of a sudden. He said, Hey man, uh, you still in the vineyard? I'm Like yeah. He said, We're here. And so that's why I, um, I just ran into him on Martha's Vineyard. Saw him for a couple of days, and then. He disappeared again. But now we're back and he disappeared again. Well,
1: well the
0: disappearing act. There we go.
1: Yeah. Well, we're on YouTube famously. We just made the transition and I am wearing this inkwell shirt because our friend, my friend, Willie Cologne, was always went to the vineyard. And when, when he was there, he's like, Hey, you want something? You want a sweatshirt or something? I was like, Oh yeah. And he came back and like presented it to me. Like it was from a And I was like, okay, like this is a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> so every time I'm around people that, that often frequent the vineyard, I just throw in this little sweater because I just know it's important to them. Because I've, I've, never, I've never stepped foot on soil. I've never been on the island.
2: Well, well, uh, you know, Mike, that was part of the plan uh, before Brandon left. Part of the plan is we're going to do like a retreat, a brother from another retreat on Martha's Vineyard. But uh, now that's out. That's out.
0: Got yourself uninvited from the retreat, Brandon. So I hope you're happy with what you've done.
2: Mike. But Mike, you're invited. You can come by. Come by, man. Okay. See,
0: there we go. We've 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 cut out the middleman on this, and we've gotten to the end goal of this, which is me chilling with Michael Smith and Michael Holly on the retreat on Martha's Vineyard. So we we've got that. What's the what's the whiplash like then? coming back, you have this wonderful trip, you truly get to disconnect, and now you get to come back up to Boston and hear everyone asking questions about who's actually calling the plays for the New England Patriots. Is that not crash landing back into football season as hard as humanly possible?
2: It's fascinating, man. It's really, this is why I love what we do. Because if you step back and look at it, I mean, both of you played, you know, big-time college football. You step back and look at it, people like me are saying to Bill Belichick, man, you're an idiot. Bill Belichick, like, what are you doing? Like, we're, we're questioning Bill Belichick on this. And I understand, on one hand, it, I really have to go back a long time, and maybe it's never happened, where you have two primary play callers uh, in the modern NFL. And I don't think the Patriots are actually going to do that. I think there's going to be one play caller. It's either going to be Belichick or Matt Patricia. I, I think it's going to be Matt Patricia. So on one hand, it's unusual. And we're in a space where we are all got our platforms, got media gigs, so we got to fill that content. On the other hand, come on, it's Bill Belichick. It's not the most, it's not the first controversial thing he's ever done. It's not the first uncommon thing he's ever done. I'm guessing it's probably going to work out. But I, I, like, I like being back and hearing the noise. I kind of I thrive on it. Even if it's nonsense, I like it.
0: So even if it is nonsense, it is important, especially when you're dealing with the team that was the preeminent dynasty of the last two decades in the NFL and is breaking it. And I think the reason something like that ends up having such a stranglehold and I've listened to Dan Orlovsky and others talk about it is you're thinking about the development of the quarterback that's there to replace Tom Brady or as best he can. And for Mac Jones in year two with now a different play caller in his ear and potentially multiple, at least in the lead up here, from what you've seen and heard, how has that affected Mac Jones along the way?
2: So far, not, not great. I mean, got to be honest. I mean, some of the, they've been uneven throughout training camp. Uh, they haven't had a nice, smooth, oh, we're building up to this, uh, this new offense, this new offensive concept that we have. No, they've had some days that have been awful. I mean, there, there are some days they just look like a bad football team. And, and really, fellas, you got to go back a while when you can say a Bill Belichick team it's just not competitive. I know they were 7-9 and under Cam Newton, but they were competitive uh, until the end of the season. They fell apart. But you got to go back early New England, that first year in New England when they won five games, where you say, okay, that's a bad football team. Doesn't have an opportunity to compete. And so they've looked like that at times throughout the season. But I will say a new play caller was coming anyway. I mean, Josh McDaniels left once, got that Denver gig, that didn't last long, came back, almost left the second time for Indy, came back, and then when, as soon as he came back, he said, oh, I still want to be a head coach. So you knew this day was coming. Mm-hmm. It was only a matter of time. The more success you have, he's got six Super Bowl rings, too as a coordinator, he was going to leave. I think the debate is, should they have brought in a different coordinator? And, and if, if the answer to that is yes, most people in New England would say yes, they'd say, well, who's that going to be? Some people here say, oh, you'll get Billy O'Brien from Alabama. That's easier said than done. And Nick Saban and Belichick are like this. They probably have some unspoken, you know, collusion (laughs) agreement. You can't take (laughs) this guy. This guy's on the do not not draft list. So it's really a complicated issue. But I think Mac Jones should have known last year. Because Josh McDaniels did such a good job with him, that means... Your coordinator is going to go somewhere else.
1: Mm.
0: And now that he has, I think part of the difficulty is projecting what the identity of this team is going to be because we remember what it was last year. They didn't ask Mac to do too much outside of himself. A lot of it was relying on an offensive line that's got some new paces and part shipped a route. Isaiah Wynn may be even on the trade block at this point as they get ready for the season, who was their left tackle now had been moved over to the right side. You lose your fullback. Like uh, This is the only place where Jacob Johnson, a fullback, no longer being on the roster, makes news because, Michael, it felt like last year the mentality of that team was, we're going to beat the ever-loving hell out of you between the tackles. We're going to line up in personnel, for- in personnel groups that we haven't seen since football in the 90s and make it work. So what is the identity of this year's Patriot offense if you had to peg one based on what they've got now?
2: Well, uh, that's a good question. I think you just identified why they changed the offense, too. Because what you just said, Mike, that worked for 13 games. At one point, they were 9-4, and four and I was going back and forth with Michael Smith on the show, and he kept saying, you believe it now? You believe it now? The Patriots are the best team in the AFC? And at one point, they were the number one seed. Mm-hmm. I said, I just don't see it. I don't see it. they beat beaten Tennessee. Tennessee has some injuries. They beat them down at, at, at Gillette Stadium. They're going into a bye. They come out of a bye, feeling pretty good. They take on the Colts. And they just weren't ready for that one. And they just faltered down the stretch. They won one more game after that uh, and got just, just manhandled by Buffalo twice. Last two games against Buffalo, Buffalo did not punt, which is amazing. You know, eight quarters, you don't punt. So the identity for 13 games last year was exactly what you said. I think they want a more diverse approach. And so... It's going to be on Mac. Whatever it is, it's going to be Mac. If it's a short passing game, it's going to be Mac in the short passing game. They want to take some shots down the field, it's going to be Mac controlling that offense. Um, I don't think it's going to be some 65% ground and pound, you know, 1990 Bill Parcells New York Giants offense. It's just not happening. So I think they, they have a vision of what their identity is, but they're just not ready to, to step into that vision yet.
1: Talking about not being ready, as we've been previewing all these divisions in the NFL, one thing we haven't done is asked about the fan base, because it really doesn't matter that much. But for the Boston and the Patriots, it's a little different. So how in, in Boston, what is it like right now, now that the Patriots, the team of that area in New England is near the bottom of the AFC East going into the season?
2: Well, now you like, okay? You okay? That's a prediction. Yeah, yeah. That, that's <laughs> a, I mean, how's it? I you mean, you, you, got
1: bills, you got the bills. You got bills, the bills. You got the. You got the. Yeah. Well, oh, stop there.
2: I, that's all
1: I'm gonna do is no, say, Michael.
2: That's not what. All okay. I'm gonna, say, all I'm gonna say is the bills are the superior team in the division. So we don't even have to sign Like, if y'all want to talk about them? We can. Um, we don't have to. And not relative to the AFC East. I think the bills they're like, you know, they're like that kid from your neighborhood. Like, nah, nah, he ain't going to state school. Like the rest of us, he's going off to the Ivies. He's going off. to the <laughs> <laughs> He's
0: dead. He's destined for some
2: things. He's going, yeah, he's like, yeah, he's going somewhere else. He's going somewhere. Else. So the bills, I mean, the bills are going to win this division. Uh, they clearly have the best quarterback in the division. Uh, if not the best quarterback in football, I'm going to say it: Josh Allen is the best quarterback in the NFL. I'm going to give him that. And after that, I, I'm sorry. I, I think there are some questions uh, about Miami. I think you're talking. You're not talking about the Jets, right?
1: No, 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 because, no, no. no.
0: We'll, we'll, no yeah, my, we'll, we'll leave the we'll leave the Jets out of this. But I think New England versus Miami is a really fascinating side by side because. On one side with New England, you've got the steady hand with Bill Belichick and the identity they've built there. And on the other side, Miami seems high variance this year where you've got a new coach that's supposed to be one of these young offensive gurus from the new tree that's so popular and a quarterback who, if Tua hits the right way, you got speed to burn on that team. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888 789 7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
2: Yeah, okay. Can I can I rant for a second, though? Oh, can I, please. And, and Please. And please tell me that I'm missing something here. So on one hand, we talk about New England with multiple play callers right now in in preseason, and nobody has the title of offensive coordinator. So that's annoying. I understand that's annoying. But what annoys me more than that is this new breed, Mike and Brandon, this new breed of offensive coordinators. They got the title, but they're pretty much sous chefs. These offensive coordinators who have never called plays. Like, okay, I th- that blows my mind. So Mike McDaniel was the offensive coordinator last year for the San Francisco 49ers, and the first play he calls of the 2022 regular season will be the first play he's called in his life. That's insane. So I'm not giving him any props because I don't know what kind of offensive coordinator he is as a play caller, and I don't know what kind of head coach he's going to be. And three... They took a downgrade in the head coaching department. They left, they, they, moved, they fired Brian Flores, and they brought in Mike McDaniel. One day, he might be a better coach than Brian Flores, but I'm suspect. So I'm going to say, I don't think so. I, I, you guys feel me on that? I hate, and, and Nathaniel Hackett is the same way. He was the offensive coordinator in Green Bay, but your head
0: coach is the play caller. So what the hell are you doing? You run a good meeting? You can't. Yeah, I, I think I think it is a good reminder, though, that this is a way we talk about head coaching that I always think is fascinating. Which, yeah, if you are going to be the offensive play caller, that's certainly a difference. And for these guys, that's an assumed part of this. But it's also a good reminder that how you run the meeting, what you do leadership skill-wise, should also be a bigger factor in the way that we look at head coach because they're not similar skill sets in being a coordinator and being a head coach. There's very little about that on the day-to-day, and you hear so many former coordinators talk about this. We played for Charlie Weiss, who came out of New England, was the head coach at Notre Dame when we got there. And there's just so many different things asked of you that you kind of lose out on the ability to do that thing that you were so good at. So maybe spin zone, if you've never done that, at a full-time level, but you've gotten good at the other stuff that helps you be a head coach. Yeah,
2: I, I, I think, look, there obviously are some some qualities for McDaniel that stood out that made Miami want to get him. But then again, uh, if you read the reports, they didn't really want him. <laughs> they, wanted, mm, that is- they, they thought they were going to get Sean Payton and Tom Brady. So look, Miami, uh, Miami plays New England very well. So Miami head-to-head, Versus New England, I give them all the uh, respect in the world because they just, whether they're a good team or a poor team, they just give the Patriots problems they have over the years, especially in Miami. Um, but Miami, big picture, I think they have as many questions as the Patriots do, if not more questions because of Tua, because Tua full-time, year three. Uh, because of McDaniel and McDaniel relative to managing Tyree Hill. So Tyree Kill, uh, you know, dynamic talent, sure, but you can see him in Kansas City in your mind's eye. Just go back to it. I, I, I probably have like five or six examples. I see Tyree Kill on the sideline. I said, oh, that's a bleep bleep who's about to blow. Okay, that mother, watch out. <laughs> Because he ain't happy. And you can see Eric Bienemy going over to talk to him. You can see Mahomes like tentatively going over to talk to him. Andy Reeves, like, I, I yeah, somebody talked to him. I ain't messing with him. And that's in Kansas City, where they won all the time. And they've been to Super Bowls and they never lost to the Broncos. I love that stat. And, okay, all that stuff. What's that going to be like in Miami? Because that, that's, a, that's a major factor. I think they got a lot of questions.
1: Well, I think that there's a change of scenery that could third. be helpful. Third place. Third what?
2: Okay. Third. third place.
1: Third place. Okay. Buffalo
2: one, New England two,
1: uh, Miami three, Jets four. Okay, so what do you have to say about the fact that obviously I hear you saying step down head coach. Correct. But the head coach is coming into a roster that's pretty ready set. In a sense, there's a lot of returning starters. Uh, now, uh, a lot of returning starters uh, on defense, at least, and, and new additions on offense that could make a difference. And it's one of those things, like not even just a change of scenery, but it's one of those John Gruden, Tony Dungy things, where I think maybe another coach could come in and not, obviously, not do with the links of the Super Bowl. But we've seen a lot of coaches have successes with other rosters that were built by other 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 coaches. Is that not true?
2: Oh my god. Mike, did he was he like this when he was 17? Oh my god. <laughs> all right. So I know Tampa, I know John Gruden came in to John Lynch and Warren Sapp and Booger McFarland and
1: Derek uh, Brooks.
2: Derek Brooks with his you know six touchdowns of defense. Right, come on. No, I, I I don't think this roster is that And You talk about the switch. So Flores not only was Flores a better head coach. Flores came in from New England. He was actually a defensive coordinator who did call plays on a Super Bowl winning team and made them better. Flores took over for Patricia and he had a different approach. See, Flores is really, he's an interesting coach. And I I know we're not talking about the AFC North, but I wonder how he's going to put his fingerprints in what uh, Pittsburgh is doing because he's really aggressive and creative uh, as a defensive mind. So, yeah, they didn't like him around the office, I'm sure. Uh, he is a tough man. Means what he says and says what he means. And at times, he has gotten into it with players to the point where people, we're about to, you, you want to show, you want to show. Well,
0: a- I mean, we do remember that whole Kenny Stills saga down there with what oh, yeah. went on between those two. Yeah. But even that, that was more like psychological
2: warfare. But in New England... He actually got into on the precipice of getting into fights, fist fights with people. So he's a tough dude. And I'm sure they they're happy to see that personality gone, but does the drop off affect their defensive performance?
0: That'll be interesting because they've spent the majority of their money on that side of the ball, at least leading up to this year. Obviously went out and spent a ton of capital on Tyreek Hill, moved mountains to go get Teron Armstead from the New Orleans Saints to try and fix up an offensive line that I believe two of the last three seasons was last in that ESPN pass block win rate mes- metric. So it's been, it's been rough out there for a while, but you're right. Defense is certainly going to undergo a bit of a shift, at least right now. And that's a hard side of the ball year over year to hold. Offensively, I think it just comes down to, do you believe Tua can be a guy to do this or not? And based off what you've seen so far, it sounds like the answer's no.
2: Um, yeah, the answer's, the answer's no. And, and I, feel, I feel bad about it because I was, I was a Tua guy. I thought um, I thought they were absolutely right to draft
0: Tua over Herbert. I I love wow. Tua. I, I did well. Okay. Oh yeah. I mean, there were a lot. There were a lot of us. I mean, Mike Tannenbaum was about the only guy I can remember who stood on the table and said I would take Herbert first overall of this quarterback class. So Tua was the guy. It was tank for Tua. He had. He was the first slogan we had. That's right.
2: Tannenbaum loved him. Uh, Chris Sims loved Herbert. But you know, uh, I, I don't I don't remember a lot of people saying, "Oh, you're crazy. You can't take Tua o- over Herbert." So I, I don't I don't think so I think he's good I think I think Tua is just is going to be a good quarterback but nothing more I don't see a lot of sizzle there so
0: so not a yeah and. I think there's understandable questions. And for a guy that has that much change because his first season in the NFL, he's going back and forth. You're putting him in over Ryan Fitzpatrick who was having one of those good Ryan Fitzpatrick stretches in a way that was kind of a head-scratching move at the time. You go through the next season and we've got all of the rumors about Deshaun Watson around the trade deadline last year. And Tua talking very openly about how that affected him and about how he certainly felt that. And even now, coming into this offseason, you just mentioned it. We had all the Sean Payton and Tom Brady news around this team. It's never felt like a young quarterback in this league. That was had, had solid footing underneath him. He came in injured and had all of that happen after. And so, like you said, you do kind of feel for some of these guys because we see incredible talents all the time from the world of college football that come into these situations and franchises that are unstable at the top, and the results end up being this.
2: Uh, and also, I want to ask you guys this, um, especially you guys, because, okay, you know, you, you, you feel me on this. When we talk about talent in, in football, are we overstating it do we or or are we overstating it or do we not go deep enough so most people when they say uh the Chargers are a really talented team or the Raiders oh my god look at their talent what they generally do is mention a quarterback uh they mention okay Devontae Adams Hunter Renfro uh they'll talk about a back they may talk about a, a high profile corner or a pass rusher so generally they wind up talking about 10 or 11 guys maybe 15, never just 15. It's usually 10 or 11 out of 53. And so, yeah, sometimes if you're 10, among those 10, if you got Patrick Mahomes, if you got Josh Allen, uh, if you got Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, yeah, okay, that usually makes a difference. But I feel like 12 to 53, and even forget about that, how about even 12 to 33 is often overlooked? And I think at the end of the year, it, it start. It's, it's it's obvious why certain teams don't win because yeah, they might have top end talent, but from 12 to 33, they don't have a linebacker who can stop the run. They don't have uh, safeties who can tackle. They don't have guards who can uh, pass block or run block, or either. <laughs> you know, like you start to see their special teams are poor. Green Bay, and it, it and it winds up costing them games, keeping them from the Super Bowl. So. We start making sense as football fans at the end of the year when our teams are eliminated from the playoffs or don't make the playoffs. But then when free agency starts and the big names come out, we repeat the cycle all over again. Oh, my God, we got that guy. They're so talented. And forget about the middle. That's a long way of saying I question a lot of teams about their middle class. I don't think a lot of teams really have it. A lot of teams do have top end talent. But when it really comes down to winning games and ugly games and in uh, late November, uh, early December, they fall apart.
1: I'll, I would say it's probably it's obviously easier to evaluate the team via their star, right? But it's harder to evaluate the team based on kind of what you expect people to evaluate things going into the draft, like someone's floor, right? Like I, what's the what's their what's their worst? But I think what you're saying is. We end up do talking about the 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 lack of consistency with in the middle of a lot of these teams after they lose the Super Bowl, right? We, with Patrick Mahomes with the, with the offensive line when he lost to Tom Brady, uh, the the J- Joe Burrow. You can, you can even go by, all the way back to that uh, Falcons Super Bowl against the Patriots, where the Falcons show like they they put on the field how many people how many talented people they had, and it wasn't that much.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I think, I, think that's a, I think that's a big part of it. And, uh, okay, but this is why, coming back to the AFC East, this is why Miami, New England, for that, that fight for second place is so interesting. The Patriots are really good 12 to 33. One through 12, <laughs> yeah. uh, that's, that's where they're challenged. Mm-hmm. So Miami has more top-end stars, uh, clearly. Jalen Waddell is amazing. Uh, Tyreek Hill, and they got they they've got some really good high end football players. Whereas the Patriots, you know, you mentioned ESPN Golic and how they did like top ten players at every position. I don't think the player, I don't think the Patriots, Patriots have one guy out of all positions. I, I was like, okay, maybe they'll be in there safeties. No, they had no top ten safeties. I know it's just one ranking, but it kind of tells you something how how people view them. The safeties weren't in there, the corners weren't in there, backers weren't in there, no edge edge guys, and one guy tied for number 10 at tight end, Hunter Henry.
0: Yeah, well, and I mean, that's kind of how the Patriots have always done business, right? It's not to say that there hasn't been talent, but they've been able to play the game where they harvest the crops and then they sell them to other people at the end of all this. They let guys come there on cheaper deals and when it's time for them to get paid up, they go somewhere else for their grad program and then maybe come back to New England like Trent Brown did on a much cheaper deal for them. That's a lot easier to do to go back to this team conversa- building conversation when you got Tom Brady playing quarterback as opposed to what everyone's dealing with now. Like, I think that's why we focus so much on the star part of this, especially at that position, is it allows you to get away with a lot more. And I think... That's that's what Miami is 100% banking on, is you're absolutely right. It's can one guy on our offensive line make life easier for the other young four as they grow up? Can one guy in Tyreek Hill, who's such a unique weapon at that position, help our quarterback, especially in some of these short area throws where he's majored for most of his career? But you look at the way that the thing I will give them credit for as far as team building is... And I think that's why Mike Gusecki, their tight end, who they're flirting with the idea of trading right now, is they're really trying to build this out as close as they can philosophically to what they left in San Francisco. And Mike Gaseki's a tight end that does one thing, goes out there and splits out and catches the ball. That's not really how they get down, but you got Raheem Mostert, who's an alum of San Fran. They want to get speed on the field and move everything east and west, and all of that is about kind of trimming the margins on this and making things a little bit easier on people while you find out if you got the guy at quarterback, since everyone's asking that question.
2: Yeah, and, and I think and I, and I get it. I understand the the approach. Uh, you know, two two big things. and You mentioned one of them. You know, you go from George Kittle. Mike man, yeah, okay, that, that's a big difference. But also, I, what would you rather have? And, and you can't go wrong with your answer. It's just a different, it's going to be a different vibe. Would you rather have Debo Samuel, who turns me on? Let me just tell you, when I watch <laughs> him <play> football, <laughs> when I watch him play, I ask my wife to go out, just leave the house for a little bit. Leave the house. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a moment. I love oh, yeah. watching Debo Samuel run the ball. Okay, run the ball, catch it. He looks for. He didn't, never runs out of bounds. He's looking for contact. Would you rather have that, and that brings that physical element to 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 a wideout, or would you rather have somebody like uh, Tyreek Hill, who just scares the hell out of you, just when he lines up, and it's a different dynamic. And I just wonder. Uh, I think Jimmy Garoppolo, at this point, a healthy Jimmy Jimmy Garoppolo is better. And Tua, so yeah, I know what he's trying to do there. Uh, he'll do some of it. He'll do some of it, but it's just going it's gonna feel a little different.
0: It is funny hearing everyone now, and you've heard some of this in camp. I think our friends at the Levitard Show were just over there talking to Mike McDaniel and some of those guys about like the potential of using Tyreek Hill. in a, And you've heard a number of people say this this offseason. A Debo Samuel-like role. Like in a copycat league where I understand we always want to do this, man, some people are just built to do things that not everybody can do. And while Tyreek Hill did get some backfield touches during his time in Kansas City, those weren't built the same. Those are not built like the DeBo Samuel touches and I feel like that's where we get in trouble so much is trying to go square peg into round hole when it comes to some of these interesting player uses we see across the league.
2: Amen. That is not the way to use Tyreek Hill. And they they got it and I think they if they're gonna, if they're going to try to use him like Debo Samuel, then why did you why did you give up so much draft capital for Tyree Kill? You did it because you want Tyree Kill. I, I'm I, I'd be shocked if they made that trade, saying, "Yeah, we're gonna get Tyree Kill, but we're gonna give him." I like what Debo has done, and we want Tyree to be a little like Debo. No, you don't. They're completely different players, and you bring in Tyree Kill to let him let him do his thing. So we'll see yeah, you, how that you, how that you, plays out.
0: You bring him in to be an unparalleled speed threat. And if you ask any defensive coordinator or really any coach on either side of the ball, the first thing they look at in the scouting report is speed. You want to find out because that's the hardest thing to account for. So that's you're right. Miami, I I think all year long, Miami relative to New England is going to be a really fascinating thing to watch play out. And so we've got the upper crust of the Bills we talked about. They are the odds-on Super Bowl favorites. Josh Allen is the odds-on MVP favorite right now. They just drafted God's Only Begotten Son and Matt Areza, the punt god for out of San Diego State, and added fourth down Josh Allen to the mix. On the bottom end of this, you've got the Jets. And... This preseason's been marred by injury for them, both along the offensive line, which led to them making the move to get Dwayne Brown in there, and to Zach Wilson, who should be back early in the regular season, if not hopefully ready for Week 1. They dodged the worst on that. But, Michael, looking for them, if you're diagnosing what's wrong with the Jets and what needs to get fixed first before anything else, what would you look at with this team and say, that needs to be the thing you iron out first?
2: Yeah, it's health. It's just health, it's health and, and experience. I mean, look, you know, Zach Wilson, I'm a big Zach Wilson fan. Brandon knows this. I I, I was name checking him like, you know, game two, game three uh, of his senior year at BYU. I just I, I like what he has the potential to do, but think about it. Last year, you know, he has an uneven start, has a horrible game against the Patriots, gets hurt, comes back, uh, it's not quite right. You're you're hoping that year two for him. He'll get it figured out. He gets hurt again. he's going to miss some time. You got Becton, weight issues, injury issues with him, as you mentioned, uh, necessitating the move for Dwayne Brown. Like, they just need to get, they just need this, to get this group together to see what they actually have. I think fellas, I think they had a phenomenal draft. Mm. I, I, th- I think they did a great job. I think they, they played it, not only just the, the names but how they played the draft to get them and to come back in and get the players who were at the top of their board. So I like their talent. I actually do. Uh, I like a, a couple of – from the last couple of drafts, I think they've done an, a nice job. But how will you ever know if you can't keep your quarterback healthy and you can't protect him uh, with, uh, with healthy offensive linemen? So that, that's number one for me.
0: That is the shame of it, because like you said, we could sit here and say, all right, Ahmad Gardner has already come in and looks like he's the best defensive back on that team. Has looked like he's been lights out out of Cincinnati. You're right, Jermaine Johnson may not even be a full-time starter at the beginning of the season, but is still a guy they were able to leap back into the first round and get who's going to produce for you. Hell, Garrett Wilson out of Ohio State was expected yep. to be one of those guys. Where that
2: next level? Where, where'd he go? Where'd he go?
0: God I, God, I shot myself right in the foot oh, on this. I, I heard. Oh, you said Ohio State? Okay, i just... It pissed me off so much that the best receiver on that team with two first-round draft picks is still in school there.
2: I know. Uh, oh, man. oh, watch out. Watch out. Yeah. Top.
0: Jackson Smith and Jigba is terrifying, but we can have all that set up for that team. And for Rob Sala, who I said when the Jets hired him, they did the rare Jetsian thing in making a move that everybody thought, "Oh yeah, this is a good thing." Rob Sala was this darling of a coaching candidate that season, coming over from being the DC in San Fran, where they had had so much success. Zach Wilson was a quarterback people liked, and now you have to start to look out and wonder: Can this Jets bottomless pit of despair swallow them up too? Because it seems like they're going down that path.
2: No, I don't think so. I, I, I think, um, see, finally. When, and I'll mention another thing. So I, I talked about health with the Jets and also ownership, stay out of the way. Mm-hmm. Ownership has to stay out of the way. And that's what happens with bad teams. That's why I always say, make deals with bad teams. They do stupid things and, and they can't help themselves because it usually starts from the top. So I would say, stay out of the way because you got a good general manager in Joe Douglas, who's got a good general managing DNA. Uh, Robert Sala, as you said, even though last year, what were they, 30th or 31st on defense? They were bad.
0: They were, I mean, they were dead last in a more than one statistical category. So it was bad. I mean, like in points allowed, they were like
2: 38th, 31st, 32nd. They were, they were, it was pretty terrible. Even though, even though they didn't have those stats, I think he's going to be pretty good. I think Salah's is going to be pretty good. And I, I think Zach Wilson to be good. Let those guys grow together. Let them figure it out. Before you just do that, you know, as you said, jet-seeing, yeah, I love that. Before you do the jet-seeing thing and just panic and, and move on. So, yeah, yeah I, I, like a, I like their talent, but not for this conversation. I will say this, going all the way back to the top, I said, you know, Buffalo's in a different category. The only, the only two things uh, about Buffalo that make me say, okay, how are they going to handle this? Have y'all looked at their schedule at, at the beginning of the season?
0: Like their first mm-hmm. – I'm pulling it up right now. Oh, it's – not. they got a trip out to – what? They go out to Los Angeles and they go out to Arrowhead in like the first six games of the season, right?
2: Yeah, I think their first seven or eight are,
0: are pretty good.
2: And then it, it, it,
1: it turns into like a little bit of a cupcake. Hey, Brandon, read those, okay. those first six or seven. Would love to. They open up against the Rams in L.A., then the Bills, that is who we're talking about, then the Titans, and then the Dolphins, and then the Ravens, and then the Steelers, and then the Chiefs, and then the Packers. And they finally get a break in uh, November 6th against the Jets.
2: Yeah. So, I can see this. Here's here's, here's my other hot take. You want a hot take?
1: Please. Uh, So,
2: the Bills, if they can survive, and they, and they survive, is too strong. But let's say in those first six games, they go 5-1, no problem. But if they go like 4-2. Uh, they may find themselves in a little bit of a, uh, of a race with the Patriots, only because the Patriots, their big thing is, They have to survive, and now I'm not overstating. They have to survive their first four games. They got Miami on the road. They got Pittsburgh on the road. Easy home game, right? Nope, Ravens at the crib. And then Mm -hmm. back to the road against the Packers. Wow. If they can get two wins there, then you look at their next five or six games, you could very easily see a winning streak. You got the Browns without Deshaun Watson. You got the Lions. You've got the Bears. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's pretty Jets, tough. Cults, Jets, Colts, Jets again, Vikings. Yeah. So there might be – we might have a situation like last year, and, and Buffalo – if you're a Buffalo Bills fan, you say, yeah, please. I want it like last year. Because at one point last year, the Patriots were ahead of the Jets. I mean, the Patriots were ahead of the Bills going down the stretch. Then the Bills said, okay. Enough of this. They punched the Patriots in that last game at Gillette Stadium and then in the playoff game, and the Patriots fell apart. We may have a repeat where the Patriots are slightly ahead of the Bills week 11, week 12. Yeah, they they meet each other. That
0: is a hot take.
1: Yeah, they meet each other December 1st.
2: But it's totally fraudulent. It will be totally fraudulent because it's all schedule based.
0: <laughs> right? Yeah. You know what? And listen, that's the beauty of it. Is for a while we'll all probably drink a little bit of that poison along the way when it happens. Because, like you said, once we start to get in the meat of the season and we have stuff to latch onto here, some of this same context because all the strength, the schedule stuff, all that kind of resets itself four weeks into the season once we get a little bit of an idea of who everyone is. So, who
2: we think somebody. We think somebody in there is a good team. They're not. Uh, We think somebody in there is a bad team. They're not. Uh, And so, yeah, you're right. You're right. We, We figure it out about a month, month and a half into the season. And sometimes that's still too soon. You really don't understand who your frauds are until December.
0: Frauds will come out to play in December. So, top to bottom on this, just so I've got the order right, courtesy of Michael Holly, you've got the Bills at number one, the Patriots at number two, the Dolphins at number three, and the Jets dead last. Yes. But yeah. I'm big the Jets. Loving uh, the Jets' talent, just I not this year. Stock. I want stock in their future. All right, you know what? Listen, we got there is plenty of that out there. I have to imagine you could get just you're buying the bump right now. You could get some jet stop at a pretty good number.
2: I'm going all in. As a matter of fact, I'm going in on jet stock. So in three or four years, yeah, I I'll have a place overlooking the well, Brandon. Yeah, <laughs> I got a place overlooking it.
1: I'll say this though. I'll say this though. Michael Holly is a guy who will he'll stand firm. Some people call it stubborn. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, at the beginning of last season, he was eating up all of the Jamar Chase news that he can't catch in the NFL balls are different than the college football balls. And it wasn't until we were all boots on the ground in L.A. where the Bengals were in the Super Bowl, where Michael Holly was like, OK, maybe maybe the Jamar Chase draft over Panay Sewell was a good move. Maybe. And,
2: and this is this is what this is this is the problem with the uh, COVID era, Zoom era, Teams era, sports take, sports taking. Here's the problem with it. I, I, I'll admit this. I shouldn't admit this, but I will. So I'm going on, I'm going on and on about Jamar Chase because I wanted him to draft an offensive line. They did. We know what happened. And I'm like, oh, he's not even the best receiver in the draft. Jalen Waddle is. Okay, that didn't age well. So I'm going on and on. Mike, I was assigned By NBC, I was assigned to the Bengals for Super Bowl week. So they're practicing out at UCLA. I went out there, great facility. Oh, beautiful, beautiful place, beautiful campus. And I'm walking on the field and the players are there. I'm talking to different players, different coaches. I look across the field and say, who the hell is that? Is that a linebacker? And it was Jamar Chase. (laughs) And, 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 And the Cavs. I mean, like just just a, a one tightly wound muscle, and I said to Michael Smith after, if I had ever seen him in person, I never would have doubted him. <laughs> that was the first
0: time. <laughs> it, it is it is so true. There is no substitute for seeing these freaks in nature live and in person, down on eye level.
2: If I had ever laid eyes on that guy in person, I would have said draft him number one overall. Oh my god, oh my god, <laughs> and 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 like we know this. I know Florio talks about it all the time. Like he was sitting close to me uh, in in the, in the stadium. What is it? Uh, SoFi SoFi Stadium for the for the game. Jamar Chase, and this is where numbers don't always tell the story. Jamar Chase had a hell of a Super Bowl, but at times the Bengals couldn't protect Burrow long enough to take advantage of him. Mm. He really, a couple of times, he put some moves on on uh, Jalen Ramsey. Like Ramsey had no answers for him. He was open a lot. And on that last that last drive, uh,
0: Jalen, uh, he fell down. He was wide, butt naked open. I remember, I remember us diagramming that play the next couple of days there, wide open, and that was the meme come to life of drafting an offensive lineman or drafting a wide receiver and what ends up happening, and you had Burrow getting his legs taken out from under him and slipping before he could get that ball off.
2: But I will tell you guys, I will promise you this. I'm trying to learn. I'm trying to evolve. I'm trying to become a better person, a better man. So, look, if it's obvious uh, that everything I told you tonight is total BS, just have me come back on, make fun of me, and I will just say, look, I don't know. I was drunk. I couldn't figure out the pasting thing on the phone. Whatever it is, I will – I'm not – my stubborn (laughs) days are over. I'm done
0: being stubborn. You know what? A man um – a man after my own heart on that front here. I will find a reason why it was wrong back then, but we'll have you on regardless there to come and answer for it there. And we will have you on. And you know what, Michael? We appreciate your time today. I hope Brandon texts you about something other than work in between your appearances on this show. I just hey. I want that for you as now a new friend anything. after this podcast. Today.
2: Come on, man. Just like, just text
1: by anything, hey man. Hey man, you heard that Beyonce album? Like anything? Oh like, my gosh! Look, look, I would tell you. When I, I actually the last time I did text you outside of asking you for a favor was when I showed up in your hometown and I took a picture outside of the Wilbur theater when we were Mike and I were getting ready to do promo for this stuff out here. And you had just seen him. Are you just se- you had just seen Chris Rock at the Wilbur fresh off the smack.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And just uh, just seen Chris Rock and met him before yes. the show before the show and after the show, thank you Bill Cower for having connections but uh he was he was great he was on his game uh that night uh, now I guess a couple of nights before or this first show he was still i mean he was good but I think the ovation from the crowd and the just the aftermath of the incident it did affect him he was pretty emotional people told me that you know at, at one point he had tears in his eyes he really It really affected him but that night we saw him tears were gone uh instability was gone he was just vintage Chris Rock so yeah
0: on his game on his game incredible stuff well Michael you were on your game today we have no doubt when you come back next time I'm sure it'll be a triumphant return to talk about how all these takes went right so thank you so much man we really appreciate the time and I hope Brandon treats you better now
2: appreciate you guys. I love what you're doing. I love I love a story of a relationship. A relationship plus a relationship between, you know, interracial relationship too. I mean, look, we can overcome. As a, we can do this America. We can do this. You see this brotherhood here?
1: Yeah, lock arms. Up?
2: Come on now. Don't don't complicate. Don't complicate this thing.
0: <laughs> don't complicate it. Just let the love take hold. No, I love y'all, man. Best of luck to you. Thank
1: uh, love you. My Appreciate God. it, Michael. Listen, we're going uh, to get together because I need some advice on some real life stuff. So we'll we'll, okay. we'll chop it up soon.
2: Hey, 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 you know what that means, Mike? He's got another he's bailing on. You got another job lined up. All exactly.
0: No, just let me know where he's going to work <laughs> next when you talk hey, to him.
2: Matter of fact, when he calls, I'll be like, yeah, Brandon, I'm going to record the conversation.
0: Yep. And then, I, then I,
2: we'll debrief. The two of us will debrief on what he told.
0: Perfect. We'll compare notes and make sure we're getting everything straight from the source.